Welcome to the study of God's Word, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, let's open our Bibles and study God's Word. We're going to be talking about adoption uh, Adoption 101. Um, the Lord had, had given me this ves- message and I've been thinking about it. But, but before I get started, I want to tell a little story that happened to me um, about 12 years ago. So 12 years ago, we, were, um, we used to live in Ukraine and we were back on, we were back actually seven years ago. We were back on furlough and, 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 and our kids were young at this time. And so I remember um, getting a call and calling up our babysitter and, and telling them a new babysitter that we had and, and saying, you know, hey, we need to drop our kids off. Is that okay? Oh yeah, come on. Cause we live right by the church where, where we were attending. So I load all my kids in the car and, and I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, I'm in a rush and I'm pan- in a panic. My wife's not around. And so I've got, I've got, uh, a four-year-old, a three-year-old, and a one-year-old. So I got one of those car carrier things. And so I'm running around and I've got, I've got all these things. And so I get the address, I run up, I put them in the car, I cruise down there to the street. I get out there, I see the house, the door's open and the kids open, you know, open the door, I unbuckle them and they're bolting down and I'm trying to grab you know, the last kid in the car seat. You know? And so I'm walking up to the house, the door's open, I walk inside and I'm standing inside the house and I'm looking around and, and all of a sudden there's this guy on the couch drinking a beer. And I'm like, and I was like, is this where Donna lives? I was like, oh no, she lives in the next house over. And so it's kind of one of those things, guys, one of those things that happens in your life when you just say that commercial pops in your head, you want to get away? And I'm like, it's so true. And you know, that is kind of how it was for me this week because there were things that God was stirring in my heart that I was passionate about, but yet the whole preparation of how things came together was a struggle for me. And now it doesn't negate the fact of what God wants to do. So sometimes God will take you through circumstances in your life where he will challenge you. He will challenge you to look back at his faithfulness to realize that he's the same God as he was back there to what he's called you to do down here. And yet that's exactly what the Lord was taking me through. But as we look at this, guys, we understand that the life of faith is a life where we remember the past, we live in the present, and we look to the future. Okay, we remember the past. Now, the children of Israel are a perfect example of that. Now, when we live in the past, we need to, or when we look to the past, we need to be careful that we don't live in the past. Because what happens in our Christian faith sometimes is we can remember the good old days. And we can look back there and we can get stuck in those good old days. And we forget that what God has called us to do, so many times he uses those as examples, but he moves us forward into lives, into things of faith that are all about the future. So we remember the past. That's exactly what Israel was to do. They were to remember the past. They were to remember what God did. And what God did was to deliver them from the land of Egypt. Now, the land of Egypt was a land of slavery. It was a land of bondage. It was, the, it was a land of oppression. And that's what God had called them out of. And so as God had brought them to follow him, to teach them who he was, he had told them, guys, I want you to remember the things that I have done. Remember the miracles that I did. As you were going through and you were following me in this journey to the promised land, you were to remember the past, but you're to live in the present. Now, it might sound kind of weird, but it's true. We need to live in the present. Where has God called you right now? What is your lot in life? 
You know, sometimes our lot in life changes. When I think of lot, I think of parking lot. You know, it just kind of, it's that weird correlation that kind of bounces in my mind. And I've been in different lots in my life. There was a time when we were in Ukraine and that was our lot in life. That's where the Lord had led us. And then God had brought us out here to Calvary Aurora. And, but regardless of the fact, when we think about a parking lot, sometimes a parking lot can be spacious and sometimes it can be very cramped. Sometimes it can be full of cars. Sometimes it can be in that place where you just like, you know, you don't want to be there, but yet that's where God's called you to be. And yet when God's called you to be there, he's going to be there with you. So in the midst of that lot, you know, we, we just face different lots in our lives. I have an acronym for that later on. I'll share. But when I think about that, so living in the present, we remember the past, we live in the present where God has called us to. You know, and it's one of the things, guys, it's, it's hard because sometimes when we live in the present, we don't like the lot that we're in. And we begin to, like the children of Israel, complain. Because we found in Exodus chapter uh, 14 and 15 that as they were, had left Egypt and they had experienced these awesome blessings of the Lord that all of a sudden the hardships started coming, right? The difficult started coming. Oh man, where are we gonna get food? Oh man, where are we gonna get water? And then with that, with all those issues, came a heart of complaining. And we see came a heart of just like doubting the things of the Lord. And we need to be careful in our lives that we aren't like that. Because guys, so many times complaining is really, it's a heart of distrust mixed with disgust. That's exactly what a heart of complaining is. Where we forget who God is and what he's done back there because God, this situation's different. You just don't understand, you know? And we kind of start trying to play it off like, like we know what we're really doing or like, God, you know, you should be taking care of me. And we forget, hold on. We need to remember the past. We live in the present, but then what, what else? We're looking towards the future. This is so, so important because God always has a purpose and a plan for our lives. He just doesn't set the ball spinning and sit back and watch it. No, he's intimately involved in your life. And when he sets you in motion to do something, he wants to reveal who he is to you by a life of faith. Because the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please God. For anyone who comes to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Guys, part of our greatest reward that we're going to experience is that eternity in heaven. So we remember the past, we live in the present, and we look forward to the future. Let's, uh, let's pray and let's get into the word of God tonight. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you, God, that you desire a relationship with us. And Lord, as you have given me the message, Lord, about adoption, as it's been stirring in my heart, Lord, I just would pray, Father, that, that, Lord, your words would ring out clear and that, God, you would be glorified tonight, Lord, that you would show us, Father, how much you love us, that you would convict our hearts, Lord, that you would bring us to that spot, Lord, where we, where we realize, Lord, how much we need you. Father, where you would bring us to that spot, Lord, where we realize, Lord, in our lives, if we've, if we've not allowed you to be God like you need to be. Whatever the case might be, Lord, Lord, we ask, God, that you would meet us here, that you would speak through us, Lord, that we would embrace your grace, Lord, and that we would just love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to be in uh, uh, Galatians chapter 3, 26 through chapter 4, verse 7. So let's get started on that. It says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. 
For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is a master of all. But it is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, therefore you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Now, today I want to really kind of look at Adoption 101. Now, in this room, there are probably, I'm not going to do a show of hands, but there are probably you, those of you who have been adopted. And so I have not been adopted but just because I've not been adopted does not mean that I don't understand a little bit of what that means. I've done a little bit of research. I've done some things, guys. And I found that there are some amazing parallels between the adoption in the physical realm versus God's adoption in the spiritual realm into our lives. So let's, let's kind of take a look at some of these things. First of all, the adoption in the physical realm is really, it's a loving act of the parent. And it's a loving act of the will. It's something that they have chosen to do. And so we see that as number one. The second thing is that they're saying that my family now becomes your family. The third thing is that they, the, the, the parents are willing to bear the cost and the risks involved in raising that child. Fourthly, there's always a name change. Fifthly, there's an investment. There's teaching, there's training, there's disciplining. And lastly, they make that child an heir of their family. And we see that same parallel and that correlation in our, in our lives and our spiritual lives with the Lord. Because just as Galatians chapter 3 talked about that when we are adopted as, um, as children into God's family, guys, that's a loving act of our Heavenly Father. You know, He's not getting this great deal when He grabs you and He grabs me into His family. You know, we are a bad investment, if you think about it. We just are. You know, we don't have anything to offer the Lord, and yet really that's not how we need to see things. We don't need to see it from our position. We need to see it from His. And what I mean by that is it's a loving act of His will to come and be involved in your life. Secondly, you become part of His family. You take on His identity. He is willing to bear the cost and the risks involved in raising my life. Are there costs and are there risks involved? Absolutely. Am I a bad investment? Absolutely. Have I done things that have made God, you know, cry? Probably. You know what I mean? We just, we're just like that. And yet, and yet that's part of adoption. God says, you know what? I'm willing to take that because I love you. Next thing, guys, our name changes. We're going to get into that. God does an, invest, an investment in my life through faith by teaching, by training, and by discipling us in our walk of faith. Because he shows us that I can be trusted, right? Because we remember the past, 
We live in the present and we move forward in the future. We look to the future. And finally, we, um, the father makes that child an heir, which means that they receive that inheritance that was promised. It's what's passed down. And so that's exactly what the Lord does for us. And so as we look through Galatians chapter 3, we're going to take, take and tackle this first part. And this first part is this. Number one, we are given this new identity. We're given this new name. Verse 28 says that there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. And there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. See, the problem that had happened at this point was there was this sense of superiority among the Jews to the Gentiles. Oh, we're Jews. We're accepted by the Lord. We're, you know, you guys, eh, you know. But it's the thing. All of a sudden, this whole barrier is broken down. And everything now is like your identity is what's important. And that's really what happens. When we become Christians, isn't it an amazing thing how you can have people that are completely different in their personalities, completely different in, in just life, and yet when they become believers, all of a sudden there's this bond, there's this connection that we have in such an amazing way. And guys, this is what's called our identity. But here's the struggle sometimes. When we talk about identity, we sometimes as believers fall into the fact that if you ask somebody, hey, are you a Christian? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And we ask them why. And what, they, and, what, and, and what do they normally say? Oh, because I read my Bible and I go to church and, and I pray. And it's all about what we do. But guys, our identity isn't about what we do. It's about who we are. Because our identity isn't based upon us, it's based upon what Jesus has done. So anytime that we're looking through scripture, we always have to filter it through who Jesus is. Who Jesus is and what he's done for us in our lives. When we start placing our identity upon who we are, then all of a sudden we get out of, everything gets off. It gets out of perspective. See, God did something amazing. He adopted us out of the orphanage of the world and brought us in and adopted us into now a place of sonship in his kingdom. When we start looking at our identity from our own perspective, we're basically just going back into the world. We're saying, this is what I'm doing. And guys, how does an orphan relate? How does an orphan relate to any adult? It's all about what I can do. What do I need to do so that I'll be accepted? Because man, I just don't know my future. And uh, you know, think about that. How easy it is as believers, when we take our eyes off Jesus to start living like we're still an orphan of the world. Is that, is that what God's called us to be? No. And yet that's the struggle sometimes. Why am I a Christian? The first thing that needs to come out of our, my mouth is because what Jesus has done for me. He's died on the cross for my sins. He, he brought me into his family. He's the one that's redeemed me. He's the one that set me free. Anything that I do in my life is a result of what he's done through me. And so praise the Lord for that, right? So we see, guys, that, that, that God's heart in bringing us into this relationship of adoption is that he might shine his light in us, through us, out of us, and yet receive the glory in our lives. So in Jesus Christ, we have, we've been given a new name. We've been given a new identity. We're now considered... As the, as the Bible had said, you know, Christians or Christ followers or little Christs. And in that culture, it's like, that's what it was. It was kind of a mockery term. 
But yet that's who we are. We represent Jesus to this world, don't we? When we understand our sonship, we represent him as we should. When we don't understand his sonship, then we represent him like we think, like, we, like we're an orphan of this world. So number two, not only are we given this new name or this new identity, but now we're given this new life. We're given a new purpose. Verse five says, to redeem those who were under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Praise the Lord for that. He's given, this, he's given us a new purpose, a new, really, life. Everything changes. When somebody leaves the orphanage and they go into now this new family, everything changes. The home changes. The atmosphere changes. The influence changes. The love changes. The acceptance changes. The new direction changes. Their purpose changes. And guys, how an amazing thing. If, for those of you guys who have been adopted from an orphanage into, into um, a home, a loving home, man, come up to me afterwards. I'd love to talk to you. Because uh, I just think it's such a beautiful thing. Because uh, having lived in Ukraine, I had gone to, to a couple orphanages. And I had seen the way that life was like especially in that third world country. I'd seen the struggles that some of those kids had gone through. I had seen the lifestyle. I had seen what happened after they left the orphanage. I, I just, all that stuff was just compiling. And yet what was so sad in that is it's such a picture of the world. It's such a picture of our life lived apart from Christ. When we live in the orphanage of the world, when we're, when we're living selfishly, when we're living to what we can get, when we're living to find love, and yet not, not knowing if it's even there. It's such a picture of the world, and yet that's not where God has called us to be, is it? He's called us out of the world, and he's called us, he called us into the family of God. And so, it's just an amazing thing. So I look at this. So he has given us this new life. He's given us this new purpose. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17 says this. He says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He says, the old is gone and the new has come. And our purpose in life, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, changes as well. It tells us this, it says, whether you eat or you drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. See, our purpose has changed. Before it was all selfishness. Before it was all, what can I do to make life enjoyable for me or to make life to take from somebody else so that I, that I get ahead. That's just how it is. That's how the world system is. But now God's given me this new purpose in life that now it's not about my glory, but it's about his glory. But how do I bring glory to God when I know who I really am inside? Guys, that's the work of the Lord. That's the work of the Lord to take somebody, to take what we have to offer, which is really nothing, and to say, I want you into my family, and as you come into my family, then what I'm going to do in your life is going to be beyond you. It's because of who I am. Our Father is so great and knows exactly what he's doing in such an amazing way that he is willing to take our bad investment and turn it into something glorious. It's just an amazing thing. So we look at this. 
Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do it all for the glory of God. Now God has given us this purpose in life. Philippians chapter 2 verse 13 says this. It says, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Have you ever thought about that? It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. It means that simply this. God is willing to work in our lives to bring glory to himself in spite of who you are. Now, what complicates the issue is when we're not living according to the things of the Lord. When we call ourselves a Christian or we call ourselves a believer, and yet we find ourselves at the front doorstep of the orphanage of the world. And yet that's that's not God's heart for us. And God's heart for us is this. It is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. If you ever find yourself at the orphanage of the world, at the doorstep of the world, the quickest way back is to repent, to bring your life back into subjection of the Lordship of Jesus Christ, to bring yourself back into the reality of who you are as a believer, to bring yourself out of the hole that that you're in or whatever it is that's brought you to that place of thinking to that type of mindset that I'm gonna find what I'm looking for when when I'm in the orphanage of the world. And to realize that the place where you need to be is at the feet of Jesus in his home, in his kingdom, with his purpose in mind. <coughs> Excuse me. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. I don't know what you bring before the Lord. I don't know what things might hold you back in your relationship with God. I don't know what things might cause you to forget who God is in the past. But guys, you got to hold on to those verses that God gives you in the Bible that he takes and spiritually underlines with a highlighter for you. That he says, he's confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work, who started the work? Was it you? No. That he who began a good work will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Guys, that's for you. That's a promise to hold on to. That's something you take your spiritual highlighter in your Bible and you highlight it up and you mark that page and you go to time and time again because what happens is it's easy for me to take my eyes off Jesus. When I take my eyes off Jesus, I don't know where I'm going to go. But I tell you what, I'm not going forward. It's such a picture in our lives. And yet the Lord would continue to remind us, hey, you know what? I invested in you. You're my kid. I'm going to chase after you. you. Guys, remember the story of the prodigal son? I was just reading that the other day, and I was thinking about that because there were some things in there that just caught my attention. This prodigal son, he'd grown up. He's a, the second oldest in the family. He'd grown up, and he basically said, Hey, Dad, you know, give me my inheritance. I'm out of here. Now, it, it sounds shocking, but that's exactly what he did. And what did his father do? He said, Okay. He didn't fight him on it. He just said, Okay. He gave him what his son wanted. And yet, what did his son do with it? He ran off. He exploited himself. He did everything he could. He made friends. He partied. He did everything until he was brought to the end of himself. I can imagine what it was doing to the heart of his father during that time. I don't know how long it was. I don't know if it was months. I don't know if it was years. But whatever the case might be, his son just said, you know, Dad, you're as good as dead to me because to receive an inheritance as a son during that time, it means your father would have had to pass away before you got the inheritance. But his father gave it to him before he died. 
What does that tell you? His heart. Was it far? It was far. It was far from his dad. And yet being far from his dad, his dad still reached out and loved him. He gave till it hurt. And yet it's such an amazing picture. It's like what Ian talked about, reckless love. And yet it was at the point where the son had lived his life to his full. He'd done everything. He'd He'd spent all his money. His, all of his friends now were gone because he doesn't have money. He doesn't have any more friends. He's partied himself out. And yet, where does he find himself? He finds himself, the Bible says that he, he, he comes to the end of himself. Now, imagine if his father would have found out where his son was and slipped him some more cash, extended his stay. That's not what he did. And I think that's an important factor because what happens sometimes, we have to be careful as parents, especially if we have a child that is in this situation, is we want to rescue them. We want to bring them out of this situation. It breaks our heart that they're suffering, absolutely. But you know, guys, God uses that suffering to wake them up because the son woke up. Something in his life woke him up where he snapped out of it and realized, you know, hey, man, I'm dying here. And I it's better for me just to go back and be a hired servant with my father than to be here in this place. And yet, so what he did is he humbled himself and went back to his dad. You know why? Because he remembered who his dad was. He remembered the love that his dad showed. He remembered all those things that his dad was. And yet, he humbled himself and went back. And, and we see the heart of the father towards that son when he did that. It wasn't, you know... Oh, man, you know, he, he, he was loving towards him. He, he said he ran to him. He embraced him. Guys, that is such the heart of God for you and for I. It's such the heart of God when we think about this, because how many of us have played games in the orphanage of the world? Oh, we, we were sons. We are sons, but yet we're not living like sons. We're living like orphans. Something in our life has tripped a wire in us that's caused us to say, you know what? It's got to be better back there. Some, just like the children of Israel. The children of Israel started longing for the things of Egypt. Oh man, remember back then when we had leeks and onions and all these things? And I, I think about that and I go, yeah, but what about your slavery? And what about your bondage? And what about your destruction? And what about making bricks without hay? I mean, all these different things that come up. You know, your mind plays games with you. It causes you to forget the things that were really bad, and it highlights the things that were really good, even though they were momentary and very short-lived. Guys, that is such the picture of the orphanage of the world. It causes us to want to go back, to sit at the doorstep, to highlight those moments, and yet those moments don't mean nothing. They're so short-lived. But the heart of the Lord is that you run to the Lord because you know what? He's going to run to you. He's going to embrace you. He's going to love you. He's going to hold you. He's going to bring you back because have you ever stopped being a son? No. That's the one thing about adoption. When you were adopted into God's family, you're his child. Though you might live a time when you're not living like his child, it doesn't mean you're not his child. You're his child because he's marked you. You're his child because he's identified you. You're his child because he's bought you. The struggle that we face in life is to come back to that place and realize, am I living like a child of God? 
am I living like an adopted son? Romans chapter 8, verse 28, you guys know this probably, but it says, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. Does God have a plan for your life? Absolutely. Does God have a purpose? Yes. Is God going to bring you from point A to point B? Yes. Is he going to fill you in on all the details along the way? No. He won't. But you know what he will do? He'll point you back to who he was in the past. He'll point you back to his faithfulness. He'll point you back to how he brought you from point A to point B in this time. And what is so easy to do in our lives, guys, is to look back in the past and, and say, God, this is different. This is where I'm at right now. This is, this is completely different than it was back then. So I, what I want to do is I want to grab whatever I can and make it work. We want to help God out. But guys, what, that, what we're doing in that is we're leaving our sonship and we're going back to the orphanage of the world to ask, to ask God to bless our plans. It's completely opposite of what God desires to do in our lives. God desires to take us to that place and keep us in that place close to him so that we might understand and see who God really is, that we might understand what it looks like to walk by faith, that we might understand what it is to allow the Lord to work in our lives in such a way that he's taking the things that seem impossible and he's making them, impo making them possible. Guys, this is the life of faith. This is what God shows us. He doesn't tell us to step out blindly. He tells us to look in the past and then to move forward in the present while we look ahead to the future. That's exactly the heart of the Lord for us. And so as we apply that to every single area in our life, we're going to find that that's exactly what God desires to do in our lives because he loves us too much to leave us where we want to go at times. We never stop being a son. We never stop being a daughter. But yet, what God desires is God wants us, us to be close with him. He wants to remain in his house. He wants to remain in his presence. He wants to be the one that clothes us. He wants to be the one that takes care of us. He wants to be the one that invests in us. He wants to be the one that embraces us, that loves us. He doesn't want us to look for that anywhere else because he knows that we're not going to find it. We're going to end up like the prodigal, broken, beaten, bloodied, bruised, whatever it might be, on the ground suffering, wondering, is this all there is to life? It reminds me of Psalm chapter 34. There's a verse in the Bible. You guys have probably read it before. It says, to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. If you guys ever run into anybody that says, Oh yeah, I tried God. Didn't work for me. I'm sure you have because they're out there. They're everywhere. I've run into people like that. And, and God gave me this illustration, which I'm going to share with you tonight. It's like this. When I ask someone, uh, I did this in the academy. I had one of the students come up and I said, I want you to take this candy and I want you to come up here and I want you to, to taste it. I want you to enjoy it. And I want you to explain to me what it's like. So sure enough, they came up here and they, they uh, took the wrapper off and popped it in their mouth and, you know, were kind of telling me about it, you know, oh man, it's chocolatey and, you know, all these different things. And I'm like, cool, okay, thanks. Go sit down now, you know, and that was okay. So what happened was, then I brought to the thing, what happens when somebody comes to you and they say, oh yeah, I tried God. It just didn't work out for me. Guys, that contradicts what scripture says. So who's right? Let me explain why Scripture's right in that. This is what somebody does when they say that to you. 
they, it's like taking a, a candy like this, and it's like popping the whole thing in your, in your mouth with a wrapper and everything. And I'm, I'm not going to do it because I won't be able to talk. But they throw the whole thing in their mouth, and they're standing there, and they're, and they're looking at their friend, and they're, and they're chewing it, and they're going, well, I can kind of taste what it's like. And, you know, what they're doing is they're experiencing it not as it is intended to be. The, the wrapper was intended to be taken off so they might embrace the whole thing of what it is. And yet what happens, so many people in life never take the wrapper off of God. They never experience who he is in his fullness because they're stuck somewhere else. They never experience how great God is. They never enjoy and they can never taste and see who God is because they've not taken the wrapper off. And yet, how do you tell? Because then you want to explain to someone else, well, what's it like? Tell me what it's like. I just have one. What's it like for you? Oh, man, I don't know, man. It's just kind of weird, you know? And so what happens is they're relating to God like, he's, like they're still in the orphanage or they've never been adopted out. And they're trying to relate, man, I just don't get it. What is it? Guys, carry around some candy in your pocket <laughs> with a wrapper on it and do that next time to somebody. Maybe God will open up their eyes and allow them to see that, guys, the Word of God is true. It can stand alone by itself. It doesn't need a corny illustration. But yet the truth of the matter is this. Friend, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. Because you know what happens? How do we taste and see that the Lord is good? By looking to the past, by living in the present, and by moving forward in the future realizing who we are in Jesus Christ, that we have been adopted as sons into his family. As we've been adopted as sons into his family, we are going to realize what that looks like in our lives. We're going to be able to see by faith and by experience that we can taste and see that the Lord is good. So we've seen that as a being adopted, we are given a new identity in Jesus Christ, a new name. We're given a new life. We're given a new purpose. And thirdly, guys, we are given a new inheritance. Verse 7 of chapter 4 says, Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Jesus Christ. Philippians 1.27 tells us that we are to live as citizens in he of heaven. But truly, guys, what our inheritance is, it is in heaven. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11 says, In him also we have, we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And 1 Peter chapter 3, uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, or 1 Peter, sorry, uh, chapter 1 verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed at the last time. That's another one you got to underline. Because there's so much of God in that passage of Scripture. It's not about us. When you start feeling like, like your relationship's all about you, you're, you're going to find yourself wandering back into the orphanage of the world. And we're going to forget what God's done for you right here and right now. Guys, that passage of Scripture really says, guys, I, the Father has made a reservation for you for eternity. He's made a reservation for you for eternity. It's just a matter of keeping the hope and walking forward in what God has shown you to do.
you know, we can become so consumed and worried about getting to that place that we forget who's taking us there. We can forget. And yet we have to realize, guys, that through the power of the Lord, through his purpose in, his, in our lives, that God is going to take us to point A to point B because he loves us. I want to read you something real quick here. It says, if you're struggling with your identity, if you're struggling with your identity as a believer in Jesus Christ, let me tell you this, you've got to get a hold of that. You've got to get a hold of that. And I'm going to have some things, I have some handouts here that I'm going to, I'm going to give out. I'm going to leave up here if you want to grab one afterwards, guys. But I'm going to read through this really quick just to give you guys some insight. What the Word of God says that I am in Jesus Christ, it says that I am a child of God. It says that I have been justified, that I am Christ's friend, that I belong to God, that I am a member of Christ's body, that I have been established, anointed, and sealed by God that God will perfect the work that he has begun in me, that I am a citizen of heaven. I am hidden with Christ in God. I have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, of love, and of self-discipline, that I am born of God and the evil one cannot touch me, that I am blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing, that I am chosen before the creation of the world, that I am holy and blameless, that I am adopted as his child, that I have been given a glorious grace lavishly without restriction, that I have redemption that I am forgiven, that I have purpose, that I have hope, that I am seated, that I'm sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit, that I am a saint, that I am salt and light of the earth, that I am alive with Christ, that I am raised up with Christ, that I am seated with Christ in the heavenly realms, that I have been shown the incomparable riches of God's grace that God has expressed his kindness to me, that I am God's workmanship, that I have access to God the Father, that I am a member of God's household, that I am a holy temple, that I am a dwelling for God's Holy Spirit, that I can approach God with freedom and confidence, that I am victorious, that I am crucified with Christ, and that I am more than a conqueror in Jesus Christ. Guys, we have got to get a hold of that because that is all about who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ affects the way that we live for Christ. And it allows us to live completely different. I am God's child. Say that. I am God's child. What has God done? He's adopted me from the orphanage of the world and he's brought me into the kingdom of his son because of who Jesus Christ is. Amazing thing. Amazing thing. Colossians chapter 3 tells us this, because the question really begs itself to ask ourselves this. Are you living like an orphan, or are you living like an adopted son? Colossians chapter 3, mark it in your Bibles. If then you were raised with Christ, seek, the, seek those things that are above, where Christ is seated at, the right, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on the things of earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you yourself once when you lived in them. A real easy thing to remember this, guys, is we need to seek, we need to set, and we need to put to death. If you find yourself in the orphanage of the world, it's because something has happened in your life. You've not 
sought, you've not set, and you've not put to death in your life. What have you not sought? We've not, the Bible tells us here that we are to seek those things which are above. We're to set our minds on those things that are above. And we're to put to death those members in our, in our, which are of the earth. See, I deal with a class um, here at, at Calvary, if you guys didn't know, uh, Pure Life Ministry. It's a pornography addiction class. And being, um, being a leader of that class, guys, I tell, you, I tell you what, this class is more of a men's discipleship class than it is anything else. Now, there might be that connection between pornography. There might be that connection against spiritual or, uh, you know, uh, against uh, sexual addiction and whatnot. But guys, the reality is, is what we are seeing happen in this class, guys, our lives changed. Not because we have great workbooks to go through. Not because, you know, you know, we're telling funny stories or whatever the case might be. The point is this, guys. The point is this, is that people are coming face to face with the reality of who they are in Jesus Christ. That God does not see them as they see themselves because what pornography does, if pornography brings you back into that place of bondage, it brings you back into that place where now you are like living like an orphan in the world. You are trying to relate with, you know, with, with God on a level where you just always feel like, well, gee, I got to do something to make him love me. Gee, you know, I'm not good enough today. Or, you know, we, it's like we fight, we scratch, we do whatever we can because we're stuck in this orphanage of the world, but that's not who you are. God does not see you like that. And guys, to, to bring these guys in and to bring them to that place where they understand that that's not how God sees them, they see themselves that way, but that's not God's heart for them. And that's not, where they, that's not how God sees them. And when the light finally comes on, and when they start experiencing the freedom of the Lord, guys, that brings change in their life. And now all it is is about growing in your relationship with Jesus, that we're all growing together that we're realizing how much God loves us, that we're realizing what true forgiveness looks like, that really God has taken our sins and cast them from the east and the west, and he's, and he's, he's, thrown, them in that, he's thrown them in that pond, you know, and he said, he's put a sign on it that says no fishing. And yet we need to be careful as, as people that we don't go back and fish up what God has cast away. We can easily do that. And yet what the Lord is saying, guys, I want you to experience the freedom that it looks like being an adopted child. I want you to experience that. Because what, when we're in that family, when we're in the family of the Lord, we can see what God wants to do. And what God will continue to do is he will bring you close and he will show you who he was in the past, right? He will show you what it looks like to live for him in the, in the present and he will show you what your future looks like. Guys, we can only imagine, right? We can only imagine, but what happens, guys, sometimes, this is a true thing in our lives, we live our salvation sometimes like it was a one-time thing. I said the sinner's prayer, I'm saved. And then all of a sudden, the rest of our life, it's like we don't, we don't live in Jesus Christ. Something happens along the way where we forget that our salvation is an everyday thing. It happens at one moment, but our salvation, guys, is an eternal thing. It starts now and it continues on. What God wants to do in your life, guys, he wants to reveal himself every day. He wants to reveal what he saved you from. He wants to reveal that life of who he is in your life. To let the salvation of the Lord be experienced every day in my life. I'm not, it's not mean that I'm, that I'm coming to the Lord every day and saying, God saved me. No, God saved you. But now you need to live like you're saved. You need to live like you're a child of God. You need to just allow the Lord to work through you. 
Because remember, guys, these verses that we talked about, it's not my work, it's his work. That I'm not giving God anything special. God's the one that's picked me out from the orphanage of the world and said, I want you. I want, I want to be your dad. So many times we think and we hear people, you know, how do they talk about God? Oh, the big man upstairs. Give me a break. Guys, that's someone that's living in the orphanage of the world. Truly. Because they don't know who their heavenly father is. They don't know the love that God has for them. They don't know the intimacy and the relationship. God calls us to call, God tells us here to call him daddy. And isn't it interesting that God calls us a child of God? We as adults, like we're in this place of maturity, right? You know, but yet he calls us a child of God because guys, that's where it all starts. It starts in the beginning. It starts when we're young. It starts at that place where we don't have anything to offer. You know, many times children need to be disciplined and brought to that place of maturity. But yet God says, you know what? I want you. I want you. I want you. I want you. And when we're brought into that place, when we experience the love of the Lord like he intends, it's an amazing thing. So guys, as we're looking at this, as we're, as we're closing here, our lot in life, where has God placed you? What does your now look like? We understand the past. We live in the present. We look to the future. But what does your lot in life look like now? I want you to use this acronym, L-O-T. This is the life of faith, guys. It's listening, it's obeying, and it's trusting. It's listening, it's obeying, and it's trusting. What is your lot in life? You know what? God's going to take you to many lots in life. And the more that I listen, the more that I obey, and the more that I trust, the more that I'm going to be in that place of closeness to hear what God has to say to me. It's an amazing thing. But guys, that is the life of faith, because without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you tonight. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that, that God, you have adopted us from the orphanage of the world into your sonship, into your kingdom, into your, into your presence, Lord. And in your presence, as it says in Psalm chapter 16, verse 11, that in your presence is fullness of joy, and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, and praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord, God, that you bring your word alive to our hearts because your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces down into, into who we are, God, exposes who we are, God, and it brings us face to face with the reality of our need for you. And so, God, let us be serious in that. Let us come to that place where, where we realize, Lord, our need for you. And if there is anybody here in this room, as we're just kind of praying, that does not know Jesus, then if you're living in the orphanage of the world, if you're living in that place and you're wanting out, it's just simply crying out and saying, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I want to come back. Jesus, I, I'm tired of this. If that's you, I would, I would just say, guys, come up afterwards and talk to me. Talk to one of the pastors up here, someone on the prayer team, and come back. The only thing that's holding you back is yourself. It's not, it's not the Father. The Father loves you. The Father wants you close with him. Now, if you don't know Jesus, you don't know what I'm talking about. All you know is life lived in the orphanage. All you know is what you can get out of life. And I can tell you this, that life for you is a place where 
you're asking yourself, is there anything more? Is this really what life's all about? You're dealing with things in life that you've kept inside, you've pushed down. It's miserable. Because guys, that's not God, how God intended you to live. He intended you to live in a relationship with him. That you might know who he is. That you might understand what true love looks like. That you might embrace the sonship that God has called you to be in. So my prayer tonight, if that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ, come up here afterwards. Talk to one of us. So Father God, we, we lift up tonight, Lord. We thank you for your word, and we thank you, Lord, how your word does a work, God, that we could never do. Your word paints a picture of our lives, God, that it's just so saturated with your grace. It's saturated with your grace, Lord, and, and it brings us to that place where we realize, Lord, our need for you. And Lord, in this room and on the radio, Lord, may your word go out, may it speak, may it convict, may it encourage, may it strengthen, Lord, may it bring us to that place of realizing, Lord, that what we truly need in life is you. Lord, you love us enough to rescue us from the orphanage of the world and to bring us into a relationship with you. And we thank you for that, God. Bless tonight, God. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. Or visit us online at calvaryaurora.org. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.